Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Love Fruit Podcast. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Peter Cheery. Is that how you pronounce the name? Pretty much. Yeah. So I guess we'll get into where that name's from. Um, so I've been out here at Amazon Fruit Fest 2022. Uh, we are at Terra Frutis Eco Village, which is in Ecuador, quite close to the border of Ecuador and Peru, um, close to the Amazon, out here in a very peaceful, beautiful area. And Peter is actually one of the main important founders of Terra Frutis and also of Fruit Haven, which is also nearby another eco-village community for people interested in fruit-based diet, veganism, permaculture, and a few other things like that. So Peter, um, is there anything else you... Actually, I, I just wanted to say a few things about you that I know, and you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, but okay. I know that obviously you're originally from America, but I first came across Peter from the 30 Bananas a Day website, he was a moderator on that website, which was kind of like a legendary raw vegan website uh, that had played a big part. And if you know, if you're someone who's eating a lot of fruit now and doing eighty ten ten style diet and things like that, that website had a big impact on that and spreading that information around the world. And uh, so Peter played a, a a role in that as a moderator, and. Um, and you're also the founder of, of this place, really. So anything else you want to tell us about yourself? Um, well, my life story in brief is just that I, in a few sentences, is <clears throat> basically I grew up in the northeast United States where it was very, very cold. I lived a f fairly normal childhood. I went to university. I got a degree in jazz piano performance. And then uh, after a couple of years of working in that field, I, um, <clears throat> I kind of decided I wanted to move to the tropics and grow my own fruit because I started eating this crazy fruit diet, diet that I found out about on the internet. And so I was like, I need to grow my own fruit because all the fruit has chemicals on it. It's shipped from all the way around the world. And also there's all these problems with society and it's probably going to collapse sometime in the next 50 years. So let's get out to the tropics. And, and, and that's why I kind of came down here and helped out some other people that were trying to start this, uh, this community and other communities in the area. So did you grow up with any kind of uh, any of this stuff in your background like uh, farming permaculture veganism fruit was any of this in in your upbringing sort of um <clears throat> i mean i i uh, was exposed to gardening when i was young because my mom had a vegetable garden my grandma had a very big vegetable garden and i always thought gardening was really cool and i was drawn to it so i started growing like herbs and tomatoes and things and i was even when i was like eight i was into that um and so I was into that. My, my parents read, read me the Little House on the Prairie books when I was very young. So I, I, I like the idea of like off-grid living and surviving in the wilderness and stuff like that. And a lot of the skills that I have that have proved important in starting a community and keeping it going, um, <clears throat> I was kind of exposed to it at a young age. It was almost like I, I, I got lucky and I was exposed to all the right things in just the right amounts. Like my dad taught me a bit about carpentry, which was helpful in designing the buildings here, a bit about basic home repair of plumbing and electronics, uh, a little bit of automotive repair. My mom was an accountant, so I learned how important that was, and she volunteered in a lot of organizations, like the church organizations, and we did Boy Scouts, so I, I kind of understood basic organizational structures and the importance of bylaws and having things well organized. So all those things together, I was exposed to a lot of different things that combined in, in a good way and gave me kind of uh, a, a little bit of knowledge in each field that was needed to help start a, a community. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of started off um, 
your early life, you're doing jazz piano and stuff like that, piano playing. Um, where, at what point did you start to sort of make changes with your diet and lifestyle? <clears throat> uh, probably my third year of university, um, I started actually noticing things about my diet. And I mean, things about my health that weren't optimal. And I started to think like, well, this isn't right, you know. And um, before that, I had just been a normal person that never questioned anything, took whatever medications I was told to, ate whatever junk food was being pushed on me, didn't care about anything. And if someone had suggested that you have to eat healthy to be healthy, I would have been like, what? Diet has no effect on your health. What? That doesn't make any sense, you know? But anyways, I started to, to think to myself, like, oh, I, I have low energy, I'm kind of depressed a lot, I've had acne a lot, I, I used to have a lot of acne, and it made me kind of self-conscious, it was like, I was getting a little bit chubby, I weighed like 165, and I was just a bit, I was like, what's, you know, I'm gaining weight, what's going on here, so then I, that kind of started me off in the direction of trying to learn about health, and realizing that it's, it's diet is a big uh, piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you first go towards veganism or were you looking into other diets low carb and stuff like that or what, what was that kind of journey like i didn't really look into um, <clears throat> many things uh many different things i just kind of was exposed to veganism because i started reading about how um certain uh, like for example milk and cheese can really um, cause problems with acne so actually i gave up uh, cheese and milk before I, um, like probably eight months before I gave up meat because I, I was mainly interested in getting rid of acne mm -hmm. and so that was my primary health complaint at that point so so it wasn't about then later on yeah I started reading about veganism because you start reading about stuff on the internet it starts taking you down all the rabbit holes so I was like oh, okay so let's start eating a vegan diet and and uh, <clears throat> so I, I cut out processed foods at the same time as I cut out all the rest of the animal products um, so that probably had, no, not all processed foods, but most processed foods, like all the crap like Coca-Cola and Ho-Ho's and Ding-Dong's and, and packaged frozen stuff. Anyways, uh, it, it was crazy. I think that had almost as much of an effect as, as dropping all the animal products. And, and for two weeks, I had like explosive diarrhea just from the changes in the body. And then two months, I lost like 20 pounds. No, no physical activity, just lost a bunch of weight and finally went back to like a normal weight for me, which at that time was pretty was lean, but I wasn't like skinny, you know, I was a normal weight and I had, I didn't have to do anything to achieve that. And where did it start to go towards more of like the vegans diet? Well, like as in that's when I started to go vegan was, was, um, yeah, it was still probably my third year of university. I was, I gave up cheese and, and milk for a while, but not from a vegan perspective, just trying to get rid of acne. But then that's when I started reading about trying a vegan diet. So I started that at the same time as I gave up some processed foods and stuff and yeah I just started eating oatmeal and stir-fry for like six months and I felt way better you know it, as shitty as I would think that is now still <laughs> it helped me a lot back then and, and it was sure. and it was great and I started to feel a lot better uh, and I started finding out more about raw and this and that so. and like that it seems like it must have been quite quick that you learned about eating more of a vegan diet than the raw diet like how did that all happen? <clears throat> yeah, it was either later that same year or the next year. I don't remember exactly when, but it was all within like a year, basically a year, two years. The whole process was like two years. So maybe uh, maybe around a year after I started eating a vegan diet, that's when I started being exposed to the raw stuff and and uh, read about 801010. I found the 30 Bananas a Day website and started kind of giving it a try and saw some some pretty good results. Was it all, was it all just kind of internet searches? That yeah, kind of... at the time I didn't know anybody in real life who was doing that kind of stuff. Um, eventually I met some other people in Connecticut that were doing, there's even a guy who has like a 
801010 business in Connecticut that does like fruit orders and uh, talks and invites Doug Graham and people like that to give talks to this place. I didn't find about uh, them until you know years after that, but well, you know, two years after that, I found out about them. Yeah. Is Rothman Central in that area? That him, yeah. Curtis. Yeah, uh, Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Thirty pounds a day. I mean, that was when I kind of got into all this was through Durian Ryder and Freely, who started the website Thirty Bananas a Day and had very uh, huge YouTube channels or very uh, uh, fast growing YouTube channels. Um, talk about how you found that and how you got involved in it and uh, part you played in that. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, I was first on this forum by this like personal development guru named Steve Pavlova and I wasn't really reading much about the personal development stuff I was only on like the health and fitness section of the forum because that was what interested me and, and we were just talking everyone was throwing about all these crazy diets like paleo and macrobiotic and this and that and someone everyone so often someone would mention the crazy people at 30bananasaday.com like what you know some guy was like yeah I think this this is a crazy idea but I've been trying it for a little while and it feels pretty good and the ideas are pretty sound and da 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 so I went over to the website and was like, what? This is, I started reading it. This is a new concept and <clears throat> the idea that we should kind of be more like apes. And uh, anyways, uh, so that got me to reading the, the 801010 book and I started watching D Durian Writer's videos as well. Not so much Freely's videos at the time, but um, he, at the time he was really all about eating fruit and stuff. And, and so yeah, I read that book and, and started getting on that website a lot and that, that really got me into it. Mm -hmm. And you became a moderator? Yeah. Within a fairly short time, I don't remember how long it was, within a year of joining the site, they asked me to, to be a moderator. And basically, I was, it was, honestly, it was because I was good at um, kind of being mature and, and uh, um, I don't want to say regurgitating, but like uh, um, teaching the teachings of the site. Because they are basically a list of Harley and, and yeah. Freely's approved uh, guidelines and all the guidelines about how to keep people away from eating disorders and stuff like that. And I was very good at, at, at pushing that. And they saw that and it's like, oh, this guy is right on, you know, right down the line with us, you know, so we'll ask him to be, to be a moderator. And it was a fun experience. So like at, at that point, I'm guessing you've moved towards the 80-10-10 or 30 bananas a day style diet. Did you notice any differences between that and what you've been doing previously? Did you get any benefits from it? Yeah, in general, I felt more energy. I had clearer skin, um, things like that. There was nothing... Not even not as huge as when I kind of dropped meat and processed food at the same time. That was a big change, mm -hmm. but uh, starting to eat the fruit and everything, I, I definitely was like, uh, so especially some changes first, but um, but generally general things like more energy and better skin and things like that. My memory of that website was that it was quite strict. It was there was a lot of like uh, enthusiasm around that the lifestyle at the time, um, but that website could be quite strict in terms of like they had. They really didn't want people to talk about certain things or they would just they would throw people off and so many people that i know have been thrown off that yeah. website at various yeah. times what do, what do you think of all all the stuff that happened on? um yeah i mean i was a moderator so i was part of throwing out a lot of people um so i don't think i actually had the ban hammer but i was like in the moderator forum where, where i could vote on whether somebody got the ban hammer um and so and i'd also like delete posts and make people angry and everything so, so yeah it was very strict and there were some reasons for that, and, and in some ways I kind of st still sort of agree with the reasons in that they were trying to promote a very specific diet and, and lifestyle, and yeah, I understand. They don't want to let a bunch of distractions in, I understand. And they also, they kind of had an idea of what they thought worked based on their experience with people, and so that's what they wanted to promote. And they also had a big thing, they wanted to keep people away from eating disorders, because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but 
and within the 80-10-10 raw vegan whatever movement, there's a huge problem with eating disorders. Tons of people have crazy eating disorders. I've seen people almost kill themselves with eating disorders uh, and a raw vegan diet. So it's it's people have come here close to death, you know, literally at death's doors, uh, expecting us to kind of save them. And you know what I mean? So mm. I, I kind of understand. And the same, like there is definitely some downsides to it being strict. And, and uh, you start to disagree with some of the things, like, some things you're not allowed to promote on there, and maybe maybe you agree with one of those things, but you can't talk about it, and it's kind of like, eh. And yeah, on the one hand, yeah, it's a private site, so you're gonna have to go somewhere else to talk about them. So on the other hand, maybe people think that maybe the advice could have been tailored a bit better, or something like that. Maybe it wasn't a good idea to push that specific uh, narrative. I don't know. There's a lot of different opinions on it. Sure, sure. Um, and I believe it was on that site that you started to have conversations with people with people about you know, trying to find a piece of land, trying to grow some fruit. Is that the case? Yeah. And that was mainly on the chat room, because there was a chat room there. And all the, the guys used to hang out on that chat room, people, a lot of people. And uh, we eventually freely shut down the chat room, and uh, we were kind of mad, but <laughs> what are you going to do? But yeah, there was a lot of problems in the chat room. They didn't want to moderate it. But anyways, yeah, it was just we, we were, a lot of the guys there were talking about um, going to the tropics, finding some land, growing fruit, whether it's, whether it's buying our own land or starting a community. Um, and yeah, and, and a lot of those people ended up just going to Hawaii and smoking pot and living off food stamps and camping <laughs> on the beach and having drum circles every day. And that's maybe a really enjoyable life for, for some people, but I, you know, I wanted different things in my life. So I wanted to actually have my own fruit forest and not live off the government and this and that. Yeah, cool, cool. So, uh, and, and Jason Kavestad was uh, a, a part of that, and um, I'm guessing as part of those conversations. And... He was the one that came out here and sort of found land initially and things like that. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about basically like how did this place come about? Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, where we are, how big it is, how it operates, uh, whatever you want to say in introduction to it and I'll maybe ask some more questions on it. Okay, well, I have a, <clears throat> earlier, earlier this week, as well. earlier this week at the Fruit Festival, I gave like an hour-long talk that was like the history of Terra Frutis and Fruit Haven, so I can try, try to condense that into a few, in, into a couple of paragraphs, because it's a lot of stuff that happened, but uh, in brief, uh, at some point, Jason started traveling the world and looking for land, suitable land, and I went to Florida, because I was also possibly interested in buying land in Florida, I moved in with my friend there, Robert, uh, who was also a moderator at 30 Bananas a Day, but he also got kicked off of being a moderator. And eventually I did too, but anyways, uh, so, and Jason met this other guy named Jay, uh, who was also interested in starting a, a community like this, and so Jay was like, oh, find some land, I'll buy it, and we can start a community, and, and so, and eventually, uh, Jason uh, found some land in Ecuador, and he did a lot of research and tried to find the perfect spot, a lot of criteria went into the decision, whether we can grow durian, whether the temperature is comfortable to live in, all this kind of stuff, C level of crime, easiness to get a visa, um, so they, uh, they bought this land um, that we're on right now in 2014, uh, in June 2014. And then in December 2014, uh, I had noticed that Jason spent the last six months on the internet just sitting there begging people to come down and join him and help start a community. And it was like, everyone talks on the internet how they want to move to the tropics and grow fruit, but most people won't actually do it when given the chance. Um, so I was kind of seeing this. I was like, oh, interesting. I actually kind of want to do this. I started asking all the questions about the area, how it is, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to move there. And so I flew down, and um, I flew down here to help Jason. And first thing we did is just um, 
start a, a, a profile and work away, start a terrafigures.com website, start a various, all the internet presence we needed to start getting people coming here as volunteers, and they, they came fast. Now, something you've pointed out is that a lot of people that try these things and try starting communities and things like that often don't last, and I believe you've lasted since 2014 to now, so you, I guess you're into about seven or eight years, <clears throat> yeah. and uh, obviously it's a lot different now to what it was then. Um, what have been some of the some of the challenges that you've experienced being out here, and how how did you guys manage to overcome some of these things? Um, <clears throat> so, like, a lot of communities fail because they're bad at handling money, and so we've it's uh, of course handling money, handling money, and spending money well is always a challenge, um, whether it's your own money or the community fund money or an investor's money or whatever. So. It was a challenge for us, but a challenge that we, we rose to, to the task of, and uh, we basically did it well for many years, and that's why one of the main, the main reason the community didn't collapse is because we ma managed the money well, which is something that many communities don't do. Uh, a big, another big challenge is actually dealing with people, because um, communities like this tend to attract really cool people, and then they tend to attract really crazy people. And what you have is a situation where a lot of people aren't used to having to be harsh to people and kicking them out of places. So you come to a community where everyone's supposed to have their same decision-making power, it's supposed to be very egalitarian, but then you have people who are really emotional and would never want to kick somebody out, even, they're, even if they're causing so many problems in the community that nobody wants to stay in. Everyone's literally leaving the community, but there's going to be a few people there that try to hold on to that one person and give them another chance, give them another chance. Seven chances and a year later, there's only a few people at the community and everyone wonders why. So it's like uh, one problem is trying to get people to understand when it's good to be a hard ass and when it's good to let somebody go and realize like we can't help this person here. We're enabling their bad behavior, their alcoholism, their eating disorder, whatever it is. We're enabling that by letting them stay here. They need rejection you know, to, to learn and grow as a person. And sometimes the rejection does help them learn and grow. Sometimes it doesn't. But in any case, it's not our job to be like a rehab mm -hmm. place or a mental health facility. Yeah, I think that a lot of people watching this might think that you could just have a, a piece of land or in a, in a beautiful area like this, just start inviting people and watch it all kind of develop and it would all go good. Um, but I guess over the years you've had to develop strict rules about people that are coming here, some kind of rules, regulations, boundaries. Um, so it, it's, it's what I'm trying to say is it's not just as simple as you have a bit of land and you invite people and it all kind of works out. Yeah, because the first thing is nobody wants to come if you're in another country. Nobody knows who you are, no one even hears about it. So once you get that, that, that past that struggle, then the problem is everybody wants to come. So you need filter, you need it. <laughs> you know, we have a form, we have a questionnaire, both communities at Fruithaven and Terrifers, we have a questionnaire everyone has to fill out, whether they're coming to rent a room or, or volunteer or whatever. And, and then also there's the contribution to the community because you invite, once you get to the everyone wants to come stage, everyone wants to come and bum out on your land. So it's like, uh, or the, the community land, if it's a group land buy or whatever, still everyone wants to come and bum out. So either they're working as a volunteer, like a set number of hours, which sounds very corporate job-like, but believe it or not, if you leave a bunch of hippie bums to their own devices, they're not going to do anything most <laughs> of the time. They're going to think they're doing a lot, but they're not. So you need to have a, a, either like a quantifiable contribution in terms of like work hours, volunteer hours, planting and maintaining fruit trees with structures, whatever, or paying rent, you know, in whatever whatever manner you decide. But we have those two things at both communities. And, and so that works out pretty well. One of the things you mentioned in your talk was about trying to find the right area and climate is obviously important. And maybe some people would think, well, 
just find a place in the tropics and that's it. But there are a lot of factors in choosing a place. This place has a very, like, uh, to me, I think it's quite an interesting climate and yeah. interesting environment because um, although it is tropical and warm, it has a fair amount of rain, fair amount of cloud cover a lot of the time. I don't know how high elevation we are. Um, but do you want to talk about this this area and this part of the world? Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize there's so many different tropical climate zones. Like Hawaii has 13 different climate zones and they're all tropical. So, you know, which one is it? There's not just the tropics. There's, there's so many different ones. So it's like, yeah, here we're at, we're at, we're at around 800 meters elevation above sea level. But it's a mountainous area. So some parts of our properties are at 760 meters. Some parts of our properties at 1200 meters. So it's like... We can actually grow durians on some parts of the farm, and some parts of the farm we can't grow durian. But then those parts of the farm we can grow better white sapote and certain other fruit trees that like it a bit higher and cooler. So, um, and and the weather is very hard to describe here. Um, the the temperature is generally comfortable. It's warm and humid, sure. It's a constant, somewhat low humidity. So it's not like I remember thinking when I got here after living here for like a year, like hmm, when I live in Connecticut. It was way hotter in the summer than it ever gets here, and way more humid in the summer when it ever gets here. I lived in Florida, and there was way more mosquitoes than there ever were. There was even way more mosquitoes in Connecticut than there were here. Um, so yeah. we, we like to think of the tropics as being like extreme hot, tons of rain all the time. And you get to the tropics, and yeah, some tropics are like that, but then there's also some tropics that are fairly mild. Like I like to ex explain this climate kind of like June in Connecticut year-round, except a bit more humidity. Yeah, I've quite liked the fact as well that you know, I've not really experienced a lot of creepy crawlies and mosquitoes and things. I've, I've found that to be very mild, actually. Yeah. And I was expecting it to be a little bit more kind of, the, you know, I'm a bit, I'm not the best with dealing with those things. So I was a, a little concerned with that. But, um, you know, and you mentioned snakes and spiders and things, but it's, I've not really seen that much of that either. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really quite... Um, do you see that fake snake today? Yeah, yeah. The there's, a, there's a snake and everyone's like, it's a snake. It's like, no, it's not a snake. It's a legless lizard. They're like, are you joking? Like, no, no, it's literally not a snake. It just looks like one. Yeah, the legless lizard. Um, amazing amount of butterflies around here. And other Hundreds of species of butterflies. Yeah. I see new species of butterflies here that I've never seen before, and I've been here for seven years. Amazing. Caterpillars as well. Um, let's talk about the, just talk about food terra fruits firstly. Um, what have you actually got growing here? Have you got a list of like how many fruits or how many trees you have here? Yeah, there's dozens and dozens. You know, it's like I could just list a bunch and then I'll forget all the rest of them. Yeah, and we have like durian, jackfruit, all all the basic tropical stuff you can think of. Uh, rambutan, uh, petalai, uh, passion fruit, pineapple, banana, papaya, white sapote, black sapote, mame sapote. Um, uh, yeah. How were these sourced? Were a lot of these sourced within this country or were they brought into the country? Or? There's a lot of stuff we got within Ecuador and of course all the fruits that are local to Ecuador we got. Uh, and also there's this guy Jim West, he's an internationally famous tropical fruit collector who happens to be in Ecuador. So we got a lot of great stuff from him, including durian, durian and meringue and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then a lot of other stuff we got from Florida nurseries. We um, brought them down in, illegally in airplane luggage. Uh, we just bare rooted the trees, uh, wrapped them up in plastic, and brought them down here and planted them. And most of them survived. So we've got a lot of really amazing fruit cultivars that way. That's kind of what you got to do because otherwise you're paying like $5,000 per cultivar to bring down a fruit tree that you know yeah. is not an invasive species. And you're cleaning, you're doing biological decontamination, cleaning off the roots and everything. So it's like ridiculous, yeah. you know. That's how we had to do it. You know, we're, we're, we're poor. We don't have all that. We don't have 
thousands, tens of thousands to throw into permits to bring fruit trees in. Yeah, and, and one of the unique things about this festival, uh, Amazon Fruit Fest, is that we're eating fruits every day that I believe that we're sourcing from the property that, that are actually being harvested. A lot, yeah. And it's one of the, and I think it's the only fruit festival I can think of that you're actually on piece of land where you can see you're surrounded by fruit growing around you all the time. Yeah. Most places rent a campground and that's cool, but it's cooler here, you know. Yeah. And and Terra Fruit is, um, it's uh, people can come here and stay. They can volunteer. They can. There are pieces of land to buy as well. Um, so how can people interact with it if they want to come or find it more? You can, um, yeah, on both on both the websites on turfruitist.com and fruithaven.org, uh, you can see like all the options. We try to make our websites really well organized so you can see exactly how can I come. So yeah, you can rent a room in a cabin, especially that's a good option for people who work online. A lot of people come here who are like health coaches or English teachers or whatever online and they, and they find they can do that. And then other people maybe want to volunteer. So that's either, depending on which community it is, you either pay less or don't pay at all, but you work a certain number of hours per week doing helping maintaining the fruit trees and the property and stuff. And that's very fun and rewarding. Um, and then also people who want to even get more involved, they'll buy a piece of land here. So both at Terra Fruits and Freehaven, we have plots of land for sale. And unlike some other places, we actually you actually get your land, your, your name on the title, like legal documentation approved by the government. So there's no sketchy thing where you're just giving somebody money and, oh, this is your piece of land. It's like, no, this is actually your piece of land you have to you know, put on the title as a group by. So we have, the, we have a lot of options here. And that's a great little bit of a warning here. We won't name any names or any uh, places specifically, but people should be aware that if people are asking you for money, to buy land and be part of communities and things like that, you need to make sure that uh, you know what you're actually getting and that's all in writing and there's some yeah. bad stories around Ask people. for what the legal scheme is beforehand and find some kind of uh, guarantee that that's actually what you're getting because we know of people, like I said, we're not going to name names, but we know people who are doing like raw vegan community type things and there's no legal paperwork, you're just handing these people money and and, and it's happened multiple places around the world that I can think of, you're just giving somebody money and it ends up folding or something happens, you know. And you have no paperwork, you know. Yeah, so you don't actually end up actually owning the land. You just put money into someone Sounds else's pockets. project. Yeah, so watch out with that. Um, yeah, but so this seems to be a little bit of a difference between what this is, Terra Fruits and Fruit Haven, although maybe I'm wrong with that. But Fruit Haven was more something that you were the, the you started Fruit Haven, basically. <laughs> um, any particular difference in the two or uh, what's... What was the reason behind starting that one? Mm, yeah, they, they started out very different, but then gradually became more like each other in the end, in that Terrafrutis was always just one owner of this big property, and it was great, and he invested a lot of money to make all these community buildings, like this eight-room uh, bungalow we're sitting next to, and um, <clears throat> we always wanted to expand, so it wasn't so much we want to break away from Terrafrutis and start something new, but we always wanted to expand, and we wanted to test the idea of a group land buy to see if it worked. So Freehaven, when we bought that at first, it was right away it was a group buy with six owners. It wasn't, it didn't start with one owner, it was six at first. And then the next Freehaven property next to that one was 11 owners. The next one was nine owners and so on and so forth. So uh, Freehaven started out as a group land buy. Terrafruitus was not at first, but after some years, we saw that the Freehaven model was actually more successful in some ways and a lot more people were drawn to it. So the, the owner of Terrafruitus was like, this is working great. I feel safe doing this now because if you're an investor and you're buying land in the tropics, you don't want people to, you don't want to try something like that and have it just fail and fold and you lose a bunch of money. So Fruit Haven was kind of like the testing ground, and 
And so when that worked, Terra Fruitus was kind of like, okay, now we're going to do this too. So uh, uh, we did are now one of the Terra Fruitus properties is become a group land buy, and we're selling lots off of that. And, and so Terra Fruitus, and there's there's always some little differences between the between the communities. And yeah, Terra Fruitus has a bigger community area, single community area with more infrastructure. Fruit Haven has uh, several smaller community areas, um, more spread out among the property, and a lot more private lots currently developed. But it's um, there's people should really if you really want to decide which one you like better, come and spend some time in both communities and you'll see how, how they are. Let me ask you about, for you personally, what are the benefits of living here, of living in a community like this? Mm, too many to name, but like there's a lot of great fruit growing around me. I'm surrounded by, really the biggest one is I'm surrounded by like-minded people, people who are very similar to me, who think in a similar way. And that's just really important because then you, you automatically have less conflicts if you're living with people who are similar to you. Uh, we all are interested in growing fruit and, and permaculture and living in a natural way, although everyone has disagreements on exactly how that is, but at least we're, we're all starting on the same page. And a lot of sunshine and fresh air and living in a remote rural area I really enjoy as opposed to living in a city. There's less pollution and stress. And do you have any uh, downsides to living here you can think of? At first, uh, people... Okay, more downsides at first, because when you move to a new country, especially a tropical country, your body has to adjust. Sometimes you get some issue with parasites that you have to deal with. Sometimes you get the gnats, um, the gnats tend to bite people who are new here. Um, and then after a few months, they don't really bother you anymore. So everyone who's come and, and they're new, they're like, oh, I got gnat bites all over my ankle. And yeah, well, deal with it in a couple months, it'll be fine. And then you're fine after that. So, and then there's no way, you can't really get Amazon.com delivered here in two days. There's import taxes a bit slow. It's a, technically it's a developing nation or a third world country as we used to call it. So it, there's, there's some things in, in living in a, a poor country that you just have to learn to deal with and we deal with those things. Do you think there's something kind of healing about uh, and uh, beneficial about simply being in an environment like this or beyond the, the community aspect, the, the view that you have here the air that you have, the fact that you're around fruit trees, do you feel there's something benefit that benefits you psychologically even, and um, in 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 well-being in general? Yeah, psycho I think psychologically being in nature is is very beneficial. I'm sure we could look up uh, studies. I'm th sure there's plenty of psychology studies that show that it just makes sense to me. But um, being in nature in general, hearing the nature sounds versus the city sounds. I remember reading studies that show that city sounds are more stressful and nature sounds calm people down. Uh, having a lot of trees around, lots of fresh air and, and clean water that doesn't have chlorine and fluoride added to it. Um, yeah, so psychological benefits, but a lot of those are derived from the physical benefits as well. Sure. Let's talk about the, the Fruit Fest then. How did the Amazon Fruit Fest start? What was, what was the, the goal around it? It started, yeah, we, I guess in 2018 was the year before the first fruit festival, and I guess ever since we started the community, we always had an idea that maybe someday we would do a fruit festival, and we never had really got it off the ground, but 2018 was the first year that really started gaining momentum, the idea, and we had a few people in the community that wanted to really start it and manage it and run it, and we just, yeah, we made a website uh, for the fruit festival, started to plan things out, figured out what the budget was, um, uh, everything, you know. Mm -hmm. How we were going to house people? How are we going to do? What buildings we needed? We needed to make some more buildings for it, and um, yeah, and that kind of morphed. And then finally, two thousand nineteen, we had the first fruit festival, and we've kept having one every year since then. Even though the past two years, this one and the last year, it almost seemed like at the last minute we weren't going to have it because all these travel restrictions were making things difficult. But we still managed to have it, so we just keep pushing forward. Yeah, 
and uh, I would say that with, with this professor would mention some of the benefits of the environment out here um, and the fact that the fruits grown around you but the the actual variety of fruits you've got as well that's on offer is quite unique in terms of what's offered with the food's been really tremendous um, like better than I expected although I expected there to be fruit but I didn't uh, I've been to other events that were also near permaculture and things and all that and because it happened to be slightly timing was wrong so actually the fruit wasn't as ripe or as good as it could be but here it's been um, total abundance every day mm. okay <laughs> sorry I, I forgot there was a question there. well i don't i don't even know if there was a question but i guess that i could have just um, talked about it yeah i mean uh, uh yeah I, I so some of the fruit is brought in but some of it is just take cultivate uh, harvest yeah. from one it's a mix yeah so for example most of the jackfruits at the festival have been from harvested from terrafruits from the jackfruit trees that you see around here mm -hmm. and some of the other fruits as well um, and then like some of the sour sops were harvested here, the guanabana, and random other things too, like the katok we harvest here. And then other things are bought like from the local area, like from the local market. We buy sugarcane from the neighbors for their sugarcane juice. We have sugarcane growing at Terra Fruits, but they're like, we don't want to use the community sugarcane all at once for the fruit festival and have none for the rest of the year. So we're waiting sure. until we have more sugarcane, then we're going to uh, use the neighbors for that one. Yeah, everything that we buy at the market is, is um, grown within Ecuador. Like the, the dragon fruit, a lot of it's grown locally around here. We buy it from the market. The, the mangoes are grown on the coast of Ecuador. And Ecuador is a very small country, so. What about the activities at this event? What, what does that include? Uh, we had a yoga class, oh, basic stuff you would expect, like yoga classes uh, every day and, and some, a little bit of meditation and breath work. We had uh, some classes and permaculture related topics, like planting fruit trees and things like that. And there was, um, honestly, I was in the kitchen a lot of the time, so I don't remember. I didn't go to many of the activities, <laughs> but I know we had some, yeah, we had a martial arts class. We had a jujitsu demo. We had some raw food uh, demo classes. We had some talks on interesting subjects. Um, we had, uh, including like how to start a community and mm -hmm. other things. We had a, a viewing of the Free Haven documentary, which was released a few months ago. And you probably know more of the events than me because you were going to them and I was slaving away yeah. in the kitchen. And, and you had a lot of... Uh, we had, there was a lot of things we were harvesting the fruit, we were sh showing around the place, showing how plant propagation techniques and things like that. So for people that are interested in learning that stuff, uh, that's a good thing. And I know that one of the ladies here was interested in actually experiencing uh, tropical fruits and Amazonian fruits and collecting seeds for herself. Oh yeah. And is uh, going to do stuff with that. Nice. Um, and I guess it's also a way to bring people in that might want to come and look at maybe coming and living here and buying land. Yeah. In past years, there have been people who came to the fruit festival and then like, I love it here and then end up buying land uh, later that year, either from Terra Fruits or Fruit Haven. So uh, some people use it as a way to check out the area. Other people just come and rent a room during the year at either community for that. But the fruit festival is even kind of more like an action packed event. They can see like the best of everything that we have here. Yeah. And, and it actually seems like the idea of, buying land here and the work that we, we require to put a house and develop that stuff, um, it seems like it's actually quite achievable for a lot of people, um, especially in the US, if they wanted to do that. Do you want to talk about some of the, the costs, the time of trying to uh, buy a plot out here and developing a little bit and how that would all work? Yeah, there's um, we, we try to like, 
price things affordably in terms of lots. Like a, there's a difference. Like sometimes there's an individual person selling a lot that they bought in the past. Other times it's like a group of seed investors selling a lot. So sometimes we have control over the pricing. Sometimes we don't. But in general, we're like I think right now on the Free Heaven website we have lots for sale between, uh, for example, between three thousand four hundred dollars for a for a one acre or one point two acre or half hectare plot, uh, empty land up to $75,000 for uh, 0.84 hectares with a big, nice house on it. So there's, there's a very wide range. There's really cheap land and there's some more expensive stuff that has, you know, already structures on it. And so but basically there's something for everybody here, even like kind of broke people who have managed to save up uh, 15 or 20 grand or 10 grand. Even sometimes they can afford to buy a plot of land here and come down here. So. And in terms of like trying to develop the land, clear it, they don't necessarily have to do it all by themselves. They can you can employ local workers and things like that who are used to yeah. doing these things yeah and some some people on the internet in the past have been kind of like oh you're hiring locals you're exploiting low local labor rates or and stuff like that but it's kind of like when we got here actually for the first six months we realized some of the local people local people were mad at us and we couldn't figure out why and then someone told told us it's like no you're you're from north america you come here you have to hire workers like we expect you to hire a bunch of local <laughs> people and we're like ah okay so we started hiring a bunch of local workers and to help out at the farm and to help build stuff and everything. And it's like, it's great. So the, it's really great that we're able to offer full-time employment to lots of people. Like right now between the two communities, we're probably employing in total of 30 to 40 people. And sometimes of the year that goes up between construction and agriculture stuff and, and everything. So a lot of people buy a lot, buy land and they want a fruit forest planted in a house built before they even get here. So they'll, they'll work on a plan with us and estimates and this and that, and we'll hire the workers and, and get it done. And they come down here, they have a fruit forest and, and a cabin. And then oh, wow. after that, they might want to do some of the work out of themselves and this and that. But so it's, it's yeah, anything's wow, that's possible. amazing. Yeah. Um, what about your own piece of land and what you've done with it? Do you want to talk about where you live and, and what you've done with your land? Yeah, I live up in the mountain at Fruhaven. Uh, so we have this road, private road that we made ourselves. Uh, so we don't have to rely on the government to make our roads. And we made this roadway going up in the mountain like two or three kilometers. Anyway, so part way up that road, I have a lot up there. It's about four hectares. And um, I started developing actually about two years, three years ago. Uh, I was actually at Fruhaven living in the community area for a while, focusing on building the community before I even thought about trying to develop my own lot. Um, but once I started, yeah, I, I made a little kitchen structure, an outdoor kitchen. I made a little bathroom and a shower bathtub. And I made a, I just recently finished my cabin. Some people have been watching the progress uh, videos on YouTube of my cabin and I planted a whole bunch of fruit trees. I've got a, a lot of really cool exotic stuff um, and I'm just waiting. Some of them have already started fruiting. Some of them have yet to fruit and it's, it's great. I can eat stuff from the land. So for people coming out here as well, what would be some of the sort of, I guess, uh, uh, maybe rules isn't the right word, but what are the principles, the things that people have in common here? For people that are maybe considering coming, what what do they have to fit in with to, to enjoy being here? In general, uh, everyone is interested in like permaculture, off-grid homesteading, growing their own fruit kind of thing. General like vegan or plant-based or fruit-based diet, uh, trying to eat healthy along those lines generally. Uh, obviously everyone has their own specific like brand name of way and way of doing things, so we, we try to be as accommodating as possible. Um, so anyone who falls kind of into those categories uh, has those interests will will get along well here and, and find mm -hmm. themselves to be a good fit. Mm -hmm. And what what would be your plans for the future for this place and for yourself personally living here? 
I think that we're just we're going to try to keep expanding and getting not for the sake of expanding, but for the sake of getting more people down here and and just getting the community bigger and having just lots of people and have this be basically like a a miniature city, you know. I really see that. I I can see. I mean, you've already got. We we talked about Fruit Haven and Terra Fruits, but there is also another community that's starting to develop close by, and it does appear that that um, this area could really become quite a hub for people that are fruit-based diet people. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because already the the guy that started the community nearby here, he came to Fruit Haven for a year and a half to like learn and see how things work. Uh, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to buy a piece of land and try to start a community. So yeah, he's doing uh, something similar. And even with a different model than Terrafordus and Freehaven, he's not doing a group land buy. And he's trying to uh, figure out a different model. And, and so far, it's working for him. So I think it's great. And maybe more people will come down here and do similar kind of thing. But buy land nearby us just to get the benefit from being around these existing communities. Excellent. So um, how can people contact you, contact the communities? Um, if you want to mention any services you offer in particular to people, um, just maybe let us know a bit about that. Okay. Um, yeah, and the, the best way to find out everything is to go to either terrafrutis.com or fruithaven.org. And both websites, you can find contact info just to contact us in general um, and um, ask questions about stuff. There's questionnaire if you want to buy land or come, come join the community to rent a room or whatever. There's all kinds of information. And um, my own, should I, should I say my own email address yeah, yeah, as well? Sure. Um, I guess, uh, oh, my last name, I guess I have to spell it out, geez. Uh, so, uh, Peter, um, dot Siri, C-S-E-R-E, at protonmail.com. And as if you want to contact me personally with any questions, I'm, I'm always receiving random emails from random people asking about, you know, coming down here and stuff, so that's perfectly fine. I do also, uh, on, it's on my website, which is like yourbrainonfruit.com, I also do consulting for people. Um, so people can basically pay me to answer all their questions and pick my brain for an hour or two about everything relating to living in Ecuador, uh, um, growing fruit here, joining the community, buying land, getting residency, all that kind of stuff I know about. And every so often uh, somebody does that because they're just really interested in knowing everything they want to know about coming down here. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for your time today. Also check out Amazon Fruit Fest, which I would recommend as I've been here for close to coming up for two weeks now and really enjoyed the experience and enjoyed the area. and was uh, really impressed with the fruit and the food and the volunteers here and everyone that was working on the event so um well thanks everyone for watching and listening please share this with others you think it might be of interest to uh, check out the information i'll put links down below and things like that so you can go and check these things out if it's of, if it's of interest to you uh, please share this to help us get the message out to more people and uh, we'll see you in another episode of the Love Fruit Podcast very soon. Thank you very much.